So today I'll be doing the scripture reading and I'll be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him And forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found out one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed And they went out and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is a word of God. It's been about three weeks since I've been back from my short trip to the States, and it's been wonderful to walk through the parables. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start a series through the Colossians. As, you, as it was announced, if you're joining a community group, we're going to be going through Colossians together. Uh, but this week and next week, we'll do two more, and then we'll jump into Colossians. A little bit of walking through for the next couple of weeks. Um, Matthew 18. Earlier... In the chapter, Jesus, one second, sorry, Siri's talking to me. Siri, don't talk to me. I'm good. Thank you. All right. Early in the chapter, Matthew 18, Jesus is teaching on dealing, how to deal with conflicts amongst other brothers, amongst the brothers of believers, prompt Peter to ask the question that was read. Siri, I'm good. I'm good, Siri. What's going on? Hold on one second. All right. Good? Good? All right. And the question was, teacher... Master, and this is Peter, probably proudly asking this question, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? Up to seven times? Traditionally, in Jewish tradition, uh, three times was a lot. And Peter ups the three-time forgiveness to seven times. Perhaps Peter was hoping Jesus would have said what? Peter, that's exceptional. That's great. How generous of you. Yet that's not how Jesus answers Peter's question, as we've read. And if I'm honest, I wish Jesus would have given us a number. Don't you? Right? I wish he would have said like five times or six times. So you, you could deal with conflicts in your life. Because we have people, other people, who are causing troubles in our lives. At least, at least me. Not, none of you guys. You guys have this like straight face. I wish he just gave us a number. Right? That would have been a lot easier. 
I wish, I wish Jesus would have said, okay, three times and the fourth time, forget about it. Move on. Or I wish he would have said, only if you, you feel like they're sincerely apologetic about what they've done, then you could forgive them. I wish Jesus would have said, do it. Forgive them when these conditions are met. Or forgive them three times and fourth time, you're good. Yet Jesus says, no, seven times is not enough. You think seven is a lot, Peter? Well, let's multiply that by many more times. Translation, Jesus is saying, keep on forgiving. Keep on showing mercy. And this is hard. And, 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 and the passage ends with, this is what, if you don't forgive, this is what will happen. This is what Heavenly Father will do to you. It's a heavy command. Especially when we live in a culture where everybody wants forgiveness, but no one is being forgiven. In fact, forgiveness is a complex subject of our current cultural climate. In an era of polarized politics, I, I haven't been to America in six years, and I didn't know what nation I walked into, right? Like, talking about politics or ideas, it's, it was like, oh my goodness, it was a different America that I've entered post-pandemic. Whether it's, it's this idea of cancel culture, some of us have heard of this term, cancel culture, fast unchecked information, Everybody wants forgiveness, but no one is being forgiven. And one of the negative aspects of this cancel culture is that this belief that everyone, belief that everyone, every one of us, we walk around as if we make no mistakes. But truth is, if we're really honest with each other, last week I said, if you really knew what I was thinking all the time, that you wouldn't be sitting here listening to my sermon. Because we're that broken, right? We all make mistakes. We all have done wrong this morning, maybe. Certainly, we all have said or taken actions we could be canceled for. Yet we all pretend, the, 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 the interesting thing is we all pretend like we don't ever make any mistakes. And there's very little room for grace as a society. But forgiveness is not it's not just difficult at a societal level, but also at, at an individual level, it, it, perhaps it's even more difficult. When you think about this idea of forgiveness, when I say forgiveness, how many of you guys wanted to walk out? Like, oh, I'm good, Pastor. I'll come back next week for, for another sermon. It's much easier to hold grudges. Anyone? I don't do it often, but when I do, I, I love holding grudges. It's much easier to demand justice. It's much easier to walk away from relationships. Extending trust again, giving people the benefit of doubt, seeing people and situation with sense of empathy is really, really hard. When a colleague or a spouse or a parent betrays our trust, or when we are victims of injustice, or when we have been bullied at work, at home, in some relationship, those are all painful experiences. Sometimes you, you, you want to forgive. There's a desire in, in all of us. There is a desire to forgive, yet you simply don't have the strength to do so. Sometimes I want to forgive people that have hurt me, but sometimes I just don't have the strength. I don't even want to think about it. And, and I'm, I'm, 
you know, notice I didn't preach on this until this year because I, I, I struggle with not holding grudges. I struggle with wanting justice. I struggle with forgiving people when I, when I feel like I'm betrayed or when I feel like I've been wrongly accused. Some of these experiences, it's taking me years. Present continuous, it's still going on. I'm still dealing with these things. So please don't think this is a light subject and I just want to preach from Matthew 18 and expect us to all go, go away from here forgiving everyone in our lives. No. But forgiveness is a universal virtue, isn't it? Every religion, any kind of ideology, they'll encourage you to forgive. And often in our culture, if you grew up in the West, we see forgiveness as something that's beneficial for the one who is extending forgiveness. We're encouraged by our therapists, by our self-help books to forgive others so that you can be set free from those painful experiences for better peace of mind. To be able to move forward, we are told that we need to forgive those that have hurt us. And they're true. Right? Forgiving, forgiveness or forgiving someone else has a lot of benefits for us. It does. It's very beneficial. Yet interestingly, when Jesus speaks about the subject of forgiveness, he uses this imagery of monetary transaction. This is, very, this is whenever Jesus, like Matthew 18, whenever he talks about forgiveness, there is this idea of monetary transaction. Jesus says whenever people harm one another, it creates a debt. Everyone say debt. Debt to be settled. Think about last time someone caused you harm, right? There, whenever there is harm that's being done, there is an absolute unavoidable sense that the person owes you for the wrong that was done. This is why when someone does something extremely painful to us, we want to make them pay for what they've done. There is a debt that needs to be paid. You know, at my house... I have two little girls. It happens every day between those two girls. Usually the second one, usually, not every time, she's the one who's doing the harm. And the oldest one, the first one, receiving all the harm, comes to us and says, Dad, she got paid for this. You can't just let her off. I can't just forgive her. That's, that's true between two sisters. That's true between mom and dad, between a child and a parent. We all want retribution. And that's the nature of sin done against us or the sin that we do against other people. And we hold, we hold that debt, this debt, over them to hurt them, to yell at them, to make them feel bad about what they've done. Anybody? Sometimes for years. My parents. I, I, every time I got in trouble when I was a kid, my parents would be like, remember when you were two? Mom, I'm 11. This is nine years ago. I don't remember when I was two. Or, or worse, we just wait, hoping that something bad would happen to them. I confess to you, I, I've done that. When someone hurt me really bad and there is no apology in my room, when I'm alone, I'm thinking, I hope something bad happens to them. Too honest? Too much? Sorry. Maybe just me. But according to Jesus, offering forgiveness is giving up a sense of right to seek repayment 
from the one who has caused you pain. Pastor Tim Keller, a pastor out of New York, he says this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a form of a voluntary suffering. It's not simply just moving on so that you can live a better life. There is actually suffering that needs to happen. So whenever wrong has been done against you, there's an absolute sense of debt that needs to be settled. There's no way to deal with this pain without suffering. Without suffering, either you make the person suffer for it or you forgive and absolve the pain for yourself. There is no middle road. Someone's going to suffer for it. And this is why forgiveness is not easy. Right? It is extremely costly, extremely costly. Sometimes it takes everything in you to extend forgiveness. And sometimes, if, even if you genuinely want to, it, it just doesn't feel possible. So, so Matthew 18. Jesus takes Peter's question and through this parable about a servant and a king, he offers us at least... Maybe not the whole solution. I think it's a whole solution, but at least why and how we can do better with this subject of forgiveness. So let's pick up the story from verse 23. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 18. And Jesus begins every parable in the Gospel of Matthew with these words, the kingdom of God is like. That was Matthew 13. Now Matthew 18, Jesus comes back. And, and, and he's really trying to show us what this upside-down kingdom is like and how forgiveness works in this kingdom because this is a completely different world. And he says there was a king, and one of his servants had owed him an astro- astronomical amount of money. Right? Verse 23, 10 thousands of talents is probably worth billions, if not trillions, trillions of dollars today. That's a lot of money. That's a money. That's not a personal debt. That's like a corporate debt. That's a lot of money. And so one day the king calls the servant that owes him a lot of money to settle his account. And the servant, of course, has no money. There's no way he could pay for this debt. So he begs the king for an extension on his loan, saying that I'll pay it back, even though he knows he can't. And verse 26, so the servant fell on his face and, and, and begged him, saying, please be patient with me. I'll pay back everything. And to everyone shocked, everyone listening to Jesus is shocked by the king's response in verse 27. The king had compassion and completely forgave the debt and set him free, set his family free. And that's scene one. And so far, it's a great story of mercy and kindness. Now, scene two, second scene, verse 28. Now, when the servant, that very servant who was forgiven of a lot of money, is set free from this great debt, what does he do? He goes around giving people money. He goes around forgiving debt. No, he goes to find one of his other servants, one of his friends who owes him some money, not a small amount, but nearly not as much, a decent amount, Again, nothing close to what he had owed to the king. And as soon as he finds this friend, he begins to violently assault this man by choking him and saying, where's my money? Where's my money? 
And so verse 29, the friend also, like himself, begs for more time. He says, give me more time. I'll pay you back. And to everyone's shock, the friend's request is denied. Instead, he puts his friend in prison. He puts his servant in prison. And everyone hearing the story, not only the original audience, but everyone that's seeing the action of the servant is appalled by the unmerciful response. So verse 31 says, So when others, outsiders, saw what happened, they were outraged, as they should be, and went and told the king everything that had happened. Now scene three. Verse 32, the king calls a servant in, and king is furious. There's many reasons why he's furious. And he's saying, you wicked servant, I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And in his fury, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Not a good look, not a good ending for this unmerciful servant. And Jesus says, if we don't forgive, this is what would, be, what would happen to us. Heavy, heavy call. But what are some major lessons that Jesus wants his people or wants you and I to glean from this parable? It's, it's not hard. I don't think a lesson is very complex, at least understanding the lesson. Right? Forgiveness and salvation, because they are pure gifts apart from any prior condition of good works, it should cause us also to turn around and be able to extend same mercy, same grace. You see, forgiveness and salvation are, 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 are pure gifts And it's not because we've done anything to earn this gift. It should bring about this genuine change. And this genuine, one of the genuine changes is to be merciful, for you and I to be merciful. This is, the point of the parable is precisely what James, Jesus' brother, wrote in his letter. James chapter 2.14, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you claim to have faith? What good is it if you claim to be Christian? And have no deeds, yet you live nothing like it. Suppose someone is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So really, this one of the major lessons of this parable is that true faith produces true work. It's not the other way around. We don't get faith by doing good work. But if your faith is genuine, it's obvious that you're going to live differently. So again, the lesson of the parable is actually straightforward, right? God's forgiveness, the the forgiveness that you and I receive through Christ is what empowers you and I to forgive those who have harmed us. But yet again, it's not what that's difficult, is it? But it's how. It's actually the how that makes forgiveness difficult. It's not that we don't desire to forgive. It's getting there is really, really difficult. 
I think most of us want to do better in this area. Yet, we also recognize there is a gap. It's not easy. It's not as simple as these self-help books and these wonderful quotes. Forgiveness, you can move forward. I, I wish it was that easy. See, when I think about some of these difficult relationships, relationships in my life, often my forgiveness, my willingness to forgive someone else is usually heavily relied on how I feel at that moment. I could, have, I could forgive someone Monday and then Tuesday, I'm upset about it. I'm like, I'm not forgiving you. I go back and forth, even in my heart. And when I'm angry, I don't want to let things go. I don't want to let people walk free. I catch myself wishing not so great things to happen to people who have done something to make my life hard. But first, let's quickly think about what's involved in forgiveness. Before we get to the gospel, let's, let's think about what, what, is, what involves forgiveness. What needs to really happen in our hearts to be able to forgive someone. All right, forgiving someone involves, we would all agree, letting go. Everyone say letting go. Right? Letting go of the, the need or be, the desire to, to be hurt. Letting go of the need to be understood. You feel like someone misunderstood you and you got into this conflict, you want them to understand you. Letting go of being loved or even being valued. Often it also means letting go of deserve, receiving a deserved apology. Right? We, have, we get into conflict, someone harms us, but they have no idea we are hurt, or, or they recognize that we are hurt, but they're saying, well, I don't want to apologize. But it's about letting go. If we really want to truly forgive someone, we got to learn to let go. Second thing is forgiving someone challenges our internal sense of what is right and wrong. Well, we talked about this idea of debt, right? Our internal sense of justice goes against the idea of forgiveness. Instead, our in instinctive relations is exactly the opposite. We feel the need to make things even. The reality of debt, that is owed. We can't just simply forgive someone. That This has to be worked out. Forgiving someone requires vulnerability. Vulnerability is important. Vulnerability is hard. You see, with, without, with, withholding forgiveness is our way of, to reclaim a sense of power and control. That we let ourselves be vulnerable enough to be hurt. And refusing to let go of anger and resentment can be the very way we protect ourselves. Or somewhat to hurt the other person back or to make them pay for what they did. In hopes that they will make, that would make us feel better. Anger is often many people's tool to shield us from more hurt or pain. I, 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 I do have anger issues, and I, re, I recognize every time I get angry, every time I dive into my own anger, it's because I want to shield myself from being more hurt. Painful emotions such as grief, shame, or feelings of abandonment, right? Letting go of it will make us feel temporarily exposed, right? Like being vulnerable is scary, like me telling you my stories of how I want people that have hurt me to, to have a bad life, that's, that's being vulnerable. I don't know how you'll judge me. I don't know if you'll come back. I don't know if I'll be able to be your pastor next week. However, in the long run, anger and resentment can blur our object, 
objective view on things and prevent us from learning and growing from the situation. And we all know this. This is, this is fundamental stuff. Finally, when it comes to forgiveness, it's hard to forgive someone, someone else until we forgive ourselves. For many of us, deep down, beyond the hurt, whatever the hurt may be, we feel, the hurt we feel from someone else is the hurt that we feel about having betrayed ourselves or, or harmed themselves in some way. We don't forgive ourselves for getting into that relationship. We don't forgive ourselves for taking that job, for not speaking for ourselves, not taking action, for not honoring ourselves, not respecting our time. You see, forgiving others often requires that we learn to forgive ourselves first. Those are just, there's more, but those are just major reasons, main pillars that makes forgiving someone extremely hard. Yet according to Jesus, this is, this is important as Christians. If you, if you claim to be a Christian and follower of Jesus, according to Jesus, our ability to extend forgiveness is not predicated on how we feel. It is not predicated on what we, it's predicated, it's predicated on what we have received. That's the whole story of the parable what we have received, and from what we have received, we have courage to be able to extend that mercy to other people. Friends, it's only the gospel and its power that truly empowers you and I to be able to look at someone and say, I forgive you. It is only the gospel of Jesus that will allow you and I to truly let go. We can only truly let go of the wanting to be heard, the wanting to be understood, because we have someone far greater who has heard us, who truly knows us. We can also let go of the intense sense of justice. I need to make things right, because the account has been settled by Jesus at the cross. Remember, Jesus didn't just die for you. I think Here's where the Christians get things wrong. We, we assume, yeah, Christ died for me, but what about the, the person that harmed you? Christ also died for their sin. And if we truly believe Jesus made a payment for our sins, we also must accept the fact that Jesus also made a payment for their sins as well. And again, it is only the gospel that allows us to be truly vulnerable. We talked about vulnerability. We need vulnerability to be able to forgive someone else. We need, it's the gospel that makes us truly vulnerable. At the same time, remain secure. Often what keeps us angry or bitter towards someone else is the belief that we are better. Anybody? I've done that this week. That we will never do anything like that. We hear a story. I hear, can I, can I confess? I hear a story of a moral failure by a pastor. And you know what I'm thinking? I'll never do something like that. That's dangerous. Friends, would you allow the gospel to, to show us that we are not better? That we are also broken, also in need, also sinful, and need forgiveness ourselves. Friends, we can't truly extend mercy to someone else if we are too insecure. We need humility, but also we can't be too insecure. 
Only the gospel reminds, of, reminds us of our security in Christ, our identity in Him, our true worth in Him. In fact, there is a limit to how, how deeply someone could truly harm us. Because he or she cannot touch our real identity, wealth, or significance. If you really believe the gospel to be true for you, that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords came to cancel our debt and we are new creation, then, then who cares what someone else says? Because our Creator God gave away His power and control, entering creation as one of us in order to rescue us from our sin and shame and to know that He has walked in our suffering, beyond our suffering, in our pain, beyond our pain, in our turmoil, beyond our turmoil. And to know, because of that, you and my life, you and our lives are never the same. Finally, it is only the gospel that gives us courage to forgive ourselves. You know, this is, this is important. Hey, look, turn to somebody. I know this is uncomfortable. Say, so you got to forgive yourself. Turn to somebody and do it now. you got to forgive yourself. Yes, the gospel reveals the cracks in our walls. And the gospel reminds us the insurmountable debt that we have incurred by the things we've done or things that we have not done, by the way we've lived, by the way we have not lived. Yet we no longer have this debt over us because Jesus took it upon himself. And all of our sins, all of our failures, all of the offense against God that we have done, he took on the punishment for our sins. And this is why you and I can honestly look at our failures and not be crushed by it. Instead, we can learn to be kind to ourselves. To stop beating ourselves up for the mistakes we've made in the past. Stop beating ourselves up by saying, oh, we have not prayed enough. We have not read the Bible enough. We have not come to church enough. Those things may be true. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, how you have lived. It doesn't matter if this is your thousandth time to church or first time in church. It doesn't matter because of what Christ has done. And because of that, we can finally learn to embrace ourselves as Christ has embraced us. Amen? But let me say a couple qualifiers because I know this is a heavy topic. Forgiveness is hard. You know, for some relationships in your life, especially if they are even like closer relationships with a spouse or a parent or, or, or even a child, it may take time. Forgiving someone close like that, it may take time because the closer you are, the hurt is greater. The deeper the hurt, the longer it usually takes as well. So we need to come along each other to help each other in this area. Community group is launching in a couple of weeks. I'm going to plug it in. Yes, I'm shamelessly plugging a community group. Join community group. Let your, your brothers and sisters in this body walk with you together. Share, hey, I can't forgive my mom. I can't believe what she did. Share. I can't forgive my dad. I can't stand him. Share. Allow sharing. Bring it to light and let your friends, let the brothers and sisters in this community come along and encourage you. 
Counseling is a wonderful tool. I, I love counseling. I've, take, I've taken counseling because I was so hurt. And it took me many sessions, but those counseling sessions really helped me not only see things more objectively, but also to, to have some empathy. It's, it's really hard to have empathy towards people that you're upset about. But counseling is a wonderful tool, and it's tremendously helpful. We have a counseling center, right, in our church. We have our in-house counselor who can give you resources. And, and, and really, I don't assume that, oh, just because you've heard this sermon and you've been convinced of the gospel, you can just walk away and start forgiving people. No, you need, we need to work on this. This is not just a today, it's over, and we move on. No, this is, it could take years. Your pastors and elders are here with you. We, would, we will pray with you. Let's do this together. Um, I'm in it. I'm going through it. I've shared with you guys of my hurt my experiences, and you guys have been gracious in listening to my own hurt and stuff, and it's been, it's been wonderfully helpful. Amen? All right, let's pray. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, what a challenging parable. And I'm, we're all like Peter. Seven times, is that enough, Lord? And Jesus, you say, no, Peter. No, it's hung me you got to keep on forgiving. So Jesus, we confess that this is a difficult uh, calling. Yet we know uh, you'll never call us to something uh, if you're not in it. So even now, Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, you would speak to us. Even relationships that that, that we, we, we feel like we just want to move on from. Even the past experiences are so painful that we never want to revisit. We never want to sit down with somebody and talk about. Jesus, you said I came so that your life will be full. We want full life in you. And we cannot do that without forgiveness. Jesus, thank you again for the amazing beauty of the gospel that it's not up to us to muster up some sense of justice or injustice to be able to forgive someone. It's you, Jesus, and what you've done, the life you lived, the death you died because of us, for us, that we can extend mercy, that we can extend forgiveness. We love you. We thank you. You say we pray. Amen.